You may have noticed, dear listener, or, or you may not, a recent minor fracas. Uh, the announcement came that, that Wendy's, uh, the American fast food burger chain, uh, not to be confused with the Australian ice creamery, uh, birthplace of the flake shake, and likely soon to be a litigant in a trademark dispute with the other Wendy's, that, that Wendy's, the burger chain, is planning to open hundreds of stores across Australia. Uh, this caught our interest, touching as it does on our, our perennial themes here at Blueprint of Urbanism, food, the annexation of, of local cultural forms by predatory corporations, caught our interest as it did Guy Rundle's. Now, Guy is a, a writer, a columnist for Crikey, a fast food aficionado. Uh, he wrote this, With the victory of franchise chains, something does further diminish in a culture because it trains people to expect nothing more than an invariant experience in dining out, to regard freedom as nothing other than choosing between various pattern-designed offerings, all drawing on the rich meanings created by something they are helping to kill off. That certainly got our attention. And in order to understand just what is at stake and to get a taste of a double Western cheeseburger with a side of uncanny melancholy, I met Guy Rundle at that melancholy heartland, Melbourne's Docklands. Guy Rundle, what is this place? Oh, well, here we are at Carl's Jr. It's not even grammatical. What do you mean? Carl's apostrophe is junior. How does that work? No, well, you, because Carl's... The junior never apostrophizes, so so you watch you'd want Carl's Juniors. Carl's yes, juniors. I prefer that. Or Carl Junior. Well, this or is the, the junior. This is the American nom- nominative suffix, which is junior is for if your father is still alive. So there's a Carl's Senior Burger somewhere else. It's Carl's Junior what? <laughs> it's apparently a, a burger chain. Carl's Junior. And we're, we're slipping into the food queue, the or queue here to water. Yeah, so look, Carl's is, so Carl's is a chain from the US, and in the US it's got hundreds and hundreds of uh, standard outlets. It's a sort of low rent. It's about the same as Burger King. Uh, Hungry Jacks, other burger chains are available. Um, and uh, but here, because there's only half a dozen uh, outlets, it's it's being sold as a bit of an exotic American experience. So we're in Docklands at the Warsaw end of Collins Street in Melbourne. It's more, so, the, more the Gold Coast end, I think. Yeah, it is now, isn't it? You're quite right. So uh, this is a crazy space. This this is like. Some sort of a weird inversion of reality. I mean, normally... Well, it is, but it's also, it's also retro 1990s, isn't it? It's like it's a combination of it looks like a future, but it looks like a past idea of the future. You know, this is Docklands, the great failed experiment uh, when, you know, no government... You know, it's really the urban planning equivalent of fast food. You know, just instant gratification. Nobody really did anything... To, to, to actually extend the city in a proper way. And so now we've got these different bits and pieces. And this is tacked right onto the end of Docklands uh, just before it hits the water. And that is this arcade, well, not arcade, shopping mall, fast food mall next to the ice cream. But it's all, it's all it is, is a mall. I mean, normally yeah. you, get, you get food places, you get shops, 
as a as an add-on to the places in which people live. You know, that's yeah. that's the natural rhythm of things. Yes, well, natural doesn't really apply in Docklands. I mean, the really interesting thing is that this used to be called, this area used to be called the Dudley Flats. This was, back in the day, this was just swampish sort of land that was unusable, uh, even for the docks and that sort of thing. And people lived out here in shacks. There's a, a book called Blue Lake that was written about this a few years ago because originally there was actually a lake before European arrival, there was... Uh, a lake, and then when we dug the Coog Canal uh, for the for the Arrow River, we put all the dirt into that blue lake and turned it into a swampy flats. This this beautiful lake that was, you know, in Wurundjeri topographical knowledge was prized and famed and that sort of thing. And so we started the process of turning it into crap. So it became the swamps and the flats. And then in the Depression. Hundreds of people at times came out here and built shacks and uh, created whole little communities. And, and so so much so that they were they were actually surveyed. They would be included in the Sands and McDougall uh, survey of Melbourne. And that was sort of wound up the last of them were here in the 50s, I think. And then we had, you know, various sorts of now vanished sort of um, depots and uh, little factories and that sort of thing a lot of which should have been kept when we did this because they were really interesting little pieces of modernist architecture, just, just everyday vernacular modernism. Yes. And, uh, and that, would have given, that would have given a place like this more of a sense of, of place. Of place. But which, we decided not to. Which it lacks. We, uh, went, we went another way. But it is the perfect place for this conversation, which it was prompted by uh, the, the announcement of the, the Wendy's chain. Yes. Uh, that they're contemplating setting up shop uh, yeah. in this country. So Carl's Jr. probably being something reasonably proximate uh, in, in a location that would, this, this cries out for a Wendy's down here, I'd put it to you. Well, Wendy's will probably open next door, I would imagine. I mean, Wendy's is a family restaurant. Its particular carve-out is the idea of a fast food restaurant where you're not being rushed through, where you feel like you can sit and you can take your whole family. And so it came along after McDonald's and all that. It's a later edition. Carl's Jr. is very much a deliberate simulacrum, if you like, of the old 50s sort of diner where you're just here for the burgers and, and that sort of thing. Wendy's is really for families. It looks... Is that, is that what the 50s was like? <laughs> That's exactly what the 50s was like. It was, it was happy days. It was happy days. So Wendy's uh, has sit-down, it has menus... And so I think a lot of the things that places like McDonald's and that have now adopted, yeah. which they didn't used to have, you can see with McDonald's it used to have those terrible buildings that, you know, looked like they were just made out of a coffee cup and gradually it's made better architecture, uh, a better place to sit, better place to linger and sit. The food is still fast. Wendy's is sort of an imitation of, like, it's burgers and that sort of thing, but it's a bit more of an imitation of, what you might have called home cooking, uh, diner sort of cooking once upon a time. But, but nobody cooks this stuff at home. <laughs> no, well, that's true, I guess. But uh, but the sort of uh, the real simulacrum of, of home cooking are different sort of restaurants. That's things like Applebee's and that sort of thing. You know, Applebee's is a vast chain of that sort of down-home cooking, but it also has a bar. Applebee's have bars 
just just despite what I I'm, I'm hearing is you know your sort of uh, a sense of fondness for these sorts of operations, you you warn us though of what the intrusion of these chains might do to you know local food culture. I mean, our food culture, which is all about a certain amount of individualism, individuality. Yeah, I mean, what's happened in America is really that uh, the lack of protection or the lack of an e even an even playing field for small business and that sort of thing has meant that franchises have been able to do things like get special parking permit eliminations and that sort of thing, rezonings, just build hundreds of outlets everywhere and through loss leader economics, just, you know, running at a loss for months and months and months, starve out individual restaurants. Uh, so it looks like competition. It looks like everybody's going to these fast food places. But the point is now in America, in a whole lot of places, there's nothing but fast food places. All the independent restaurants in some small towns have gone. You might have one diner hanging on where the old, the old dudes still, still gather. What you have instead, many places in America, is a largely destroyed downtown. Uh, and then all these fast food joints snaking out along the highway because that's where they've been rezoned and the land is cheap or free. The or land. passes for infrastructure in, in new suburbs. That's right. Yeah, that's 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 it exactly. Like, uh, yeah, so, so I really, you know, I mean, this is, you know, Venice during the Renaissance here compared to some American towns. This is a, this is a place full of locality and topography and interest. So you want to go the real hardcore where there's nothing, you know, nothing to do but go out to the freeway. And, and then what has happened over the recent decades is that the way people think about eating out has changed from going, will we go to this particular place owned by this particular person with its distinctive decor and ways, that sort of thing, to deciding which chain will we go to? What do we feel like uh, today? Do we feel like Popeyes, which is a southern fried chicken chain with what they call biscuits, which is actually uh, a savoury type scone uh, and gravy. So you get biscuits. Any spinach? What? Any spinach? No spinach and Popeyes. No, no vegetables have all been removed. Everything is an even brown colour. You know, so the the chains are, there's an incredible range and ecology of them. And they do suggest, their dominance suggests that American civilization is becoming qualitatively different in a whole lot of areas that uh, that if there is nothing but that in, in whole areas, you know, there's other cities, of course, you know, where there's thousands of things just like ours and that sort of thing. You have a, but you are getting a different sort of uh, society where people just don't, you know, two generations grow up without local restaurants and they don't miss them. I mean, sorry, the problem is that the economics, as you, you know, you sketch, the economics of that makes them threatening. It, it, it becomes a, a predatory life form. Yeah, that's right. I mean, the point is that, you know, the whole neoliberal idea that it's all a level playing field and people will make their choices and that sort of thing is just nonsense. And the particular thing it protects is is chains and Hello. branding oh, and franchise. Um, so sorry about that. That's, that's all right. right. Thank you very much. Cheers. Great. Thank you. So uh, food has arrived. So our food has arrived. So let's just hear the the onion ring. Oh. There it is, Carl's Junior Cheeseburger. It's an artifact. Okay, it's got that. It's got that. Oh, it's got onion rings in it. So Carl's is not the most original. It's really pretty much like Hungry Jack's. Uh, 
Uh, I don't know which mega conglomerate owns it, but it will be part of a right. Plan. The burgers are apostrophized. It's impossible to know these days which of these chains are original, like started with one restaurant, and and which are a retro creation of that idea. So Wendy's started with one restaurant. And I have actually been to the site of the first Wendy's in Columbus, Ohio, uh, because I because having covered seven American elections, I've spent half my life in Columbus, Ohio for reasons I can still not work out. There's, there's a plaque where the Wendy's, the original Wendy's was. It's a car park now in traditional fashion, but there's a plaque there. So um, so Wendy's was original, but then other things. There are other chains which are just wholly invented now to fill a gap in the market and then given a retroactive, a retrojected past. So, so I mean, it's an interesting thing that they see that necessity to have this come from something as a recognisable single yeah. restaurant. Well, that's right, isn't it? Because there's no sort of fast food chain that you'd call something like Depot, you know. I mean, and this might not be a bad idea, where it just is like Formica tables, cheap fold-out tables, and just just a flat, you know, completely wipeable down white surface. It's like the, you know, the Matrix moment. It's welcome to the desert of the real. You would see you know, what you're doing. So there has to be this red. So yes, you're right. There, There is a, an idea within humans that people in society that that the local and the specific and the particular is is where meaning is happens and that sort of thing. Some chains can get away with being general. McDonald's is the first chain, one of the first, because it emerged in a, in a world where there were thousands and thousands of individual burger joints and McDonald's was the initially one of the exceptions. You know, there are other chains, but it, McDonald's was, you know, deliberately designed to be as efficient and fast and and clean and and, and good as possible. Uh, so it can still get away with that because that's almost, McDonald's itself is almost its own identity there. It's, it's the muck something. But everything else has to do its own double duty to start working hard to invent an identity. So what becomes of us? If this, I mean, it's this is this is a thing which has happened. This is not a thing which can be averted or avoided. This is the reality of food in our culture. Well, I, look, no, this can be. Look, there's a place for fast food chains, and people want them. That's fine. I think what there needs to be two things. First, there needs to be a resistance by local and state governments to giving favoritism towards franchises and chains, because that's what is given. You know, as I say. You know, if someone says they're going to build a, a this or that, um, they can get, you know, parking permits, amendments or, or exemptions. They can get tax breaks. You know, in America, they can get free land. You know, a sort of broken downtown will be so desperate to have something that it will... It's employment, it's yeah, some sort of economic activity. Well, that's right, especially because it's, a, you know, it's a lost leader coming in, so money is being injected, at least initially. Um, but I think there's that. And then I think there is a, a a reasonable case for positive regulation and zoning, which says, you know, in a city like the CBD of Melbourne, you can't have more than X number of, you know, this franchise or that franchise branded. And that's easy enough to actually establish as a 
as a concrete law because, and an effective one, because the, the chain that has that is not then going to invent a second chain really to just keep sort of developing other properties. It, what it really wants is to keep its own chain going. So, so I think this is the question of saying, in an era of platform capitalism, monopoly capitalism, and total capitalism, where the techniques that used to be applied to production, which, you know, Fordism, regulating, regularizing the process of production so that it can be done in a, and in a completely planned and predictable fashion, that has now been reversed into consumerism. So what we're sitting in is Fordist consumerism. It's training us to just expect an absolutely standardized meal with no variations. It can then produce that and it can then plan exactly, very predictably, what sort of um, customer it's going to get from day to day and week to week. And so, so that's what we're getting. So in the face of all that, we can say on the side of, you know, a rich and particular human existence that we want the state, our state, the state we elect, to protect the things that we value. And one of the things that we value is particularity. Now, we've done reasonably well in Melbourne, you know, because we haven't rolled over backwards for these sorts of groups. Although you can see in the CBD in post-COVID with the large areas of vacancies and that sort of thing, that that the dominance of these chains is becoming, I, I noticed that, you know, something closes down and a McDonald's takes its place. You know, you or think... that the McDonald's is the last thing standing in a, yeah. a street hit by sort of catering attrition. Yeah, so then you go, oh, God damn it, I'm hungry. So you go to McDonald's, other chains are available, and it's counted as, you know, oh, people want McDonald's. I noticed that the... McDonald's opened on the corner of Southern Cross Station. And I thought fondly, oh, that used to be a Gloria Jeans, you know. So it's like the small little mum and pop. At least they had religion. Yeah, small little mum and pop chains. So I think I think in that respect there was a good... And there was even a good argument for something like the Melbourne City Council to have small loan funds and business startup funds that are specifically designed to repopulate a place with independent restaurants, you know, that sort of thing. I mean, the problem in the CBD now is the lack of shops, that, that it's all restaurants, it's all sushi and that sort of thing. So you need something else. But in other areas, I think in a place like Australia, you just need to keep an eye on and, and positively regulate with a fairly light touch because I think there are in most places a much stronger idea of the local and, and a resistance to, to platform capitalism persisting. But you know, uh, in 10 years' time, who knows? Yeah. How's your burger? Mm. Well, it's not bad for something that's not real meat. <laughs> well, guys, thank you. And, and bon appetit. <laughs> Subi twist. <laughs> Find more great ABC RN stories that take you beyond the headlines on the ABC Listen app.